Welcome back to Voted Podcast, listening to the Self Love Fitness Project podcast, where we are redefining what it means to be fit mentally, emotionally, spiritually, of course, physically as well. Today's guest is going to be talking about an interesting idea EFT tap therapy. Have you heard of it? You know, I hadn't until I met this man, and it's a very interesting idea because it goes back to our childhood energetically, and it's a way you can release that energy, hopefully for good, and free you from the chains of the past so you can take on the future. So this is going to be a very, very interesting episode, and this might come at a perfect time for you depending on the phase of your life that you're at and the healing that you want to go through. So without further ado, let's dive into this man's world and really learn what it takes to release that old energy that we don't want. (laughs) Okay? All right, I'll see you guys there. Let's do this. All right, uh, so Stefan, if we could just start off with um, a little explanation on what exactly EFT is um, and what is EFT theory. All right. Well, first of all, the letters EFT stand for the Emotional Freedom Technique. Um, But actually, a lot of people know have heard of EFT by the name tapping. And the reason why it's called tapping is that we tap with our fingertips on a set of acupuncture points as part of the you know, the process of using EFT. Yes. So the idea behind EFT is it's one of these kind of strange looking uh, healing techniques that the basic use of it is to rapidly and gently release negative emotions. So negative emotions like, you know, if something happens and I'm really angry, it can help release the anger. Or if I'm feeling really anxious about something, it can release my fear or anxiety. Or if I'm really sad or hurt, you know, any negative emotion can be released very, you know, quickly and easily by doing this strange thing, tapping on acupuncture points while you're feeling the feelings, basically. So and in its simplest sense, that's how it works. Uh, and if you wouldn't mind just sharing with listeners where the acupuncture points are in case they're listening to this in audio format. Sure. So the acupuncture, there's 10 of them. Um, The first one is sort of the top of your head. And and the way we tap on it is just to use all of our fingers, like patting the top of your head. And we do that just because you don't have to worry about exactly where the spot is. Um, The second point is at the beginning of your eyebrow on the nose side rather than the side of your face. And it can be either eyebrow. doesn't matter which side you do. And lots of times there's a bunch of points on the face and we tend to use Two fingers for those, again, so you don't have to be so precise about it. So okay. be the beginning of the eyebrow. The next one is on the side of the eye on the bony socket. So you tap the two fingers. The next point is on the bony socket below your eye near your nose. So that's the next one. Next one's uh, below your nose, above your lip, right there. The next one is below your lower lip but above the chin. So it's kind of that little valley there. Oh, yeah. Okay, now the next one is a little complicated to describe verbally. It's called the collarbone point because if you feel your collarbone coming in from the two sides, you'll feel that there's at the end of the collarbone, there's sort of these two knobs and a little U, right? Between the two collarbones. Yes. Okay. My cat is trying to join us here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming EFT Uh, doesn't work the same for cats. It does work nicely for cats, actually. Does it? It does oh for God. animals, yeah. There's a way you can use it with animals. That's Though amazing. you use points on their spine rather than their face, because most animals don't like you tapping on their face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. 
So anyway, this collarbone point, it's right below either the knobs, you know, at the end of your collarbone in the, in the center here. The knob, okay. Just right below the knob. And the easiest way to tap on it is to make a flat fist and use your whole flat fist right at the base of your neck. And you'll get the point that way. You might get one of them or both of them. Doesn't matter really. Okay. Okay, the next point is called the under the arm point. And it's not in your armpit, it's a few inches below that. For a man, it's level with the nipple. For a woman, it's in the middle of the bra strap. Okay. And you can either reach across, or if that's hard to do, you can kind of do it on the same side as your arm is, like a oh. like you're doing the chicken dance, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So you can get the point that way. Okay. Okay, now we're on the ninth out of ten points, and that's called the wrist point. If you look at where your hand joins your wrist, you'll see a crease there. If you take three fingers below the crease, that's where the point is. And again, the easiest way to tap on it is just to use all four fingers and just sort of pat your wrist, you know, kind of your whole wrist, uh, you know, a couple inches below that crease. And, it, and it's just on the left side there or is it on the right as well? Everything is on both sides. Okay, gotcha. Except for the top of the head, of course. Yes, yeah. Everything else is on both sides, and you can do one side, you can switch to the other side if you get your hand gets tired. If you want to, you can do both sides, but you don't need to. Oh, okay. All right, then we have the last point left. The tenth one is called the karate chop point. It's the side of your hand that you would hit if you did a karate chop on, against a board. So it's the pinky side of your hand, basically. And it's right in the center of the pinky side of your hand. The palm, you know, the palm part. Okay. And again, the easiest way to tap on that, though, is just to use all four fingers of the other hand to tap the whole side of your hand. That's the yeah, easiest way. I got you. Yeah, I got you. So these are the ten points. And oh. uh, so the simplest way to use EFT is your goal is to focus on the negative feelings you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And then while you're doing that, you tap on the points. Now, there's a, a more formal procedure to do that. So I, if I'm feeling a bunch of feelings, I could just feel my feelings and tap on these 10 points and just do round after round on each of all 10 points. Just yeah. a few taps per point is enough. You don't have to spend very long at each point. Okay. And I'll notice if I stay focused in on my, on my feelings, <clears throat> that the feelings will start draining away from me, right? Draining out. Yes, Some okay. people describe it as like pulling out the, the plug and the drain of a tub mm -hmm. and just the water draining out. And the water would be our emotions. And the water would be these painful, difficult emotions. Yes, okay, understood. Okay, now we actually have a formal procedure for doing this. And what we do is that it's very, it's critically important to stay focused on the experience of these feelings, okay? If we start getting distracted and go elsewhere, then it stops working. So you have to stay focused on our feelings. Okay. But that's uncomfortable. <laughs> People don't like to stay focused on, on you know, painful feelings. Negative feelings, yes, yes. Right. So the more formal procedure is we try and come up with a phrase or two to kind of name what we're feeling. Okay. Now, I have, we don't have time in this interview to go into a lot of detail about this, but you're trying to pick a phrase that sort of captures the pain, right? Okay. And I'll give you a quick little formula now, and that yeah. is the phrase would be something like, I'm feeling this emotion about this thing for this reason, mm. right? So it's the emotion, the thing you're having emotion about, and the reason why you're having that emotion. Okay, so for instance, it would be, um, I'm feeling 
angry. So that's the emotion. I'm feeling angry because my friend uh, shared something that was supposed to be secret, and I feel betrayed by that. Right. So there's the reason why I'm mad. Okay. You don't always have to include the reason. I'm you know, I'm feeling angry because my friend betrayed my secret. Yes. Okay. My secret. That could be enough. Okay. In any case, you want to name the emotion or emotions, right? There could be more than one. You know, I feel any hurt and angry that my friend revealed my secret. So it could be like that. So you name your feelings, what it's why, you know, what it's about, you know, what happened that you're having that feeling. And so that becomes your phrase. And then you're going to repeat that phrase at every tapping point. Okay. okay so top of my head. And it's easier if you focus on one emotion at a time. So I might be saying, you know, I feel really angry that, you know, that Tom revealed my secret. And yes. you, just, you do a whole round on that emotion. I'm yes. angry at Tom. You know, I'm now on the eyebrow point. I'm angry at Tom for revealing my secret. Side of my eye. Angry at Tom for revealing my secret. You keep doing that. Until you notice that the anger gets down, down, down. And typically what will happen before the anger completely goes away, if you're feeling more than one emotion, the other emotion is going to start grabbing your attention, right? Mm. But now, you know, let's say my anger, if I was to rate the anger on scale zero to 10, I might say, you know, it's like a, an eight out of 10. Oh, okay. Right. But then as that anger intensity comes down to maybe a three or four out of 10, then maybe my hurt, which is also an eight, all of a sudden, like starting to grab my attention. Oh, I see. Okay, now I'm really feeling the hurt, right? Yes. So then I would just change the phrase to, I'm hurt that Tom revealed my secret. Mm. And just keep tapping. And you might go back and forth between the two uh, until you, you get them both to zero. Okay. When you get them yeah. both to zero, then you're done, right? You feel, it's okay. I'm not angry or hurt anymore. Yes. Well, yes. Okay. All right. So oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, some people kind of wonder, like, how does this work, right? Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> how does that work, right. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a theory as to how it works, but I'm going to tell you up front that nobody knows if this is really true or not. It's kind of our working theory. Mm. So the idea is here, we're tapping at acupuncture points, right? So, we're, you know, the, the theory is that it somehow works as like a form of emotional acupuncture. So you can kind of think of it, well, so the, the founder of EFT, a guy named Gary Craig, describes the theory this way. Yeah. He's, his theory is that all negative emotions, and I would add in negative beliefs as well, when, you know, we have these sort of false negative beliefs, all negative emotions and negative beliefs are caused by disturbances in our body's energy system. And the energy system he was referring to is the energy pathways in our body that the acupuncturists are sticking needles in which are called meridians. Mm -hmm. And there's 14 meridians. We only need 10 to tap on 10 points because some of these points are on the intersection of two meridians. So we get to address okay. two meridians at once. So the idea is that there's some kind of energy disturbance in one or more meridians that are responsible for whatever negative feelings I'm having in the moment. Mm -hmm. But so if I tap on all of my meridians, the tapping clears out the energy disturbances which allows the feelings to drain away. So that's the working theory. I absolutely have no idea if it's true or not. One thing I can say, though, is that there have now been around approximately 100 research studies that verify that EFT does work, even if we don't know for sure how. Yes, okay, yes. But it does work. 
some of these studies even included before and after brain scans, where the, the brain scans look dramatically different after somebody does this tapping process. Okay, yes. Yes, and I, I think that that's very important to mention um, because, I mean, let, let's be honest for a second. Like, I think that a lot of people would just take the results. I mean, whether or not there's, like, you know, credibility behind it, you take the results and, like, is, are there even any, like, side effects or downsides of trying EFT? Like, it doesn't seem like there are. No, there's no downsides or side effects of EFT. At, at the very worst, if you try doing it, it may not work for you. Right, yeah, there, yeah. There, there is some skill in applying it. But that's the worst outcome is that, you, you know, if you start feeling some negative feelings, you try tapping and you, nothing changes. That's the that's the worst outcome. The best outcome is these feelings all go away and you feel much better. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> much in between those two. I guess the other the only thing in between that is that you feel partly better, but not fully better. That, that can happen. Yeah, too. that's right. So in your experience, what's been the success rate for a lot of your clients? When you when you like, practice EFT tapping with them, like how many sessions does it, does it take? How long, depending on the severity of what they're going through? Yes, well, that's a that's a very <laughs> the how long the number of sessions things is very tricky to answer because it really depends on how many things a person is trying to deal with, trying to heal. Okay. Some things can take as little as one session. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Like if somebody has a, a phobia about snakes, say. Right? Yes. Or, or a phobia about spiders or whatever. Um, a simple phobia can be healed in one session, so that can be super fast, right? Um, now, I help I help people with their love lives. As one, I, I mean, I help people with whatever they need help with. But one of my specialty areas is is love life. Yeah. And people typically have a whole bunch of blocks, you mm -hmm. know, that are interfering with having a successful love life. And so, you know, it's going to take more sessions because you know we have a, like a whole list of blocks to work through, so that can take longer. Oh, I see. Yes. Just it really varies as to you know, what you're trying to do and how many pieces there are to what you're trying to do and stuff like that. So what would you say then, like, if you can compare it to talk therapy, for example, like, okay, um, if, you, if you had to give like a ratio, like some sort of estimate, guesstimate maybe of like what it would be, like how many sessions it would take for talk therapy versus uh, EFT sessions. Okay. So what I would say now, traditional talk therapy, I don't find to be that helpful as far as feeling different. Traditional talk therapy, we talk about your problems, and that's kind of mostly what you do is you talk about your problems. Um, it's really good to help you, you know, become much more, um, uh, have a much better understanding of what your problems are and the sources of them. So you get these insights and awarenesses and you have ideas as to, you, you kind of develop a, a plan of how you want to be different and things like that. But you don't tend to feel very different inside. So, uh, you know, I've had I've had clients who did 15 years of talk therapy, and at the end of 15 years, they didn't really feel that different. Okay, um, I used to do a technique called Gestalt therapy. It's very popular in the western part of the country, not so common here in the East Coast where I'm now. Yeah. I'm originally from California, and um, Gestalt therapy was this more emotionally oriented, experiential kind of therapy. And that therapy worked. You do feel different at the end. But the time frame tended to be measured in months to years, depending on how big the issues were you're trying to help people with. Using EFT, the time frame is more in the realm of weeks to months instead of months to years. Mm. So it's uh, dramatically faster. That's, no kidding. Well, so in talk therapy, I mean, wouldn't like for me, like when I think of talk therapy, I think of people like re-experiencing their emotions over and over and over again every session. They just keep talking about their negative experiences, and that just doesn't seem like a, 
a successful strategy. Like it just seems like they're just going to keep rewiring that thought and that emotional pattern into the, into their brain where EFT, you put like a little word, like a little label on that emotion. And, and the whole point of EFT, like you're not fully re-experiencing it, right? You're kind of more being aware of it. Is that? No, you are re-experiencing it, How but you're releasing it quickly as you're doing so. That, so that's, like, release, like fast. that's the key fast. thing is that you do, you are intentionally re-experiencing negative emotions so that you can tap on them to quickly release them. I see. So this is actually kind of moving into a new topic about using EFT for coping versus healing. Okay, yeah. Okay, so there's actually two different ways to use EFT. Um, I actually created a video about this, but we're gonna talk about it now. So when people first get exposed to EFT, lots of times it's by YouTube. You know, they might, I have a how to do EFT video. And that's, the, that's the one I saw. Yeah. Right. That's how you found me. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they'll watch that. They'll get the basic idea of EFT and then they'll, they'll use it in a very simple sort of way, which is fine. And that is using EFT for coping. And what I mean by that, excuse me, is that let's say something happens in the moment. Like an example would be, I just got a, a traffic ticket. And, you know, the, the policeman, you know, wrote up a ticket for me, gave it to me and drove away. And I'm sitting here really upset now, right? Like, oh, I feel like an idiot. I just, I yeah. was I don't know, speeding or I did whatever I did, you know, and now my, I'm afraid my insurance rates are going to go up and, you know, I can't afford that. And so I'm like really upset. I'm beating myself about all this stuff. So this is something that just happened and I'm, and I'm having feelings about it right now. And if I didn't use EFT, I might stay upset for the next several hours. Right. I might be like beating myself up and be anxious and upset and all this stuff, angry at myself for the whole rest of the day. You know, that'd be a pretty typical thing. And eventually I'd get over it, but it could be going for quite a while. Well, if I focus on those feelings I'm already having and I start tapping on them, I might be able to release them all in five to 10 minutes of tapping. So instead of it lasting for the whole rest of the day, which might be four to eight hours, it depends on what time of day it is. Yeah. And for some people, it might even carry over to the next day, right? Might mess up their sleep that night. Five to 10 minutes of tapping, boom, they're all gone. Wow. So, you know, great relief. It's like, huh, all right. Okay. It was a mistake, but what can you do? <laughs> and now I feel like, okay. <laughs> right. Right. So that's using EFT for coping. You know, another, another example of using it for coping is you're in a relationship and you just had a fight or, or you know, your partner does something to hurt your feelings or pisses you off, whatever. Tap on those feelings, release them, and you're mm -hmm. done. And then you can reconnect easily. EFT for coping. A very useful way to use EFT. Very practical. Yeah. But the other way to use EFT is much deeper. Right. And that's using EFT for healing. And what I'm talking about with that is where we're using EFT to heal chronic life issues. Right? So it's not about just something that just happened that I have some feelings about it. It's some kind of issue I struggle with in my life, the kind of issue you tend to go to therapy for, right? Like depression or anxiety. It could be depression or, yeah, I'm anxious all the time, or it could be a bit more specific than that. It could be, uh, you know, I, I have a really hard time with boundaries and saying no, or I have a really hard time asking for what I want or need, right? Yes. Or um, it's scary for me to kind of put myself out there. Let's say I'm in business and I know to be successful in business, I have to put myself out there. Right. Yes. And I'm excited about my business except for that one part. It's like, oh my God, it's really hard. You know, it's really scary to put myself out there. So this, it's a bigger issue. So it's not about what I'm feeling in the moment mm. because every time I encounter the situation, I'm going to feel the same feelings, right? It's not a one-off thing. Now here's 
so here's the thing with that. Any life issue we have is something that is a result of experiences we had when we were much younger, usually childhood. We, we would, it's, our life issues come from a whole set of experiences that we had as a child that the end result is that I now have this life issue. The end result is I cannot stick up for myself, stand up for myself and have a boundary and say no to things, right? Yeah. Or whatever the issue is, right? That's not something that just is happening. So the way to heal that is to heal representative example memories of the experiences that caused the life issue, right? So <laughs> my cat's meowing. <laughs> so um, you want to use EFT to heal, you know, example painful memories of something that happened to you, usually as a child, usually with your parents, but it could be with siblings, it could be teachers, classmates, things like that. And that's what will work. Now, here's the mistake that a lot of people make if they just watch a YouTube video. Yeah. They try and use the coping method to address a life issue, and that does not work. Mm. And that's what makes people think that, well, maybe EFT is not so great after all. So they'll say, they'll try and um, use a phrase, like, like you said, depression. And they'll go, you know, they'll tap on their points, top of the head, I'm depressed. Eyebrow, yeah. I'm depressed. Side of the eye, I'm depressed. Or... The example I gave, hard to say, you know, hard for me to say no at the top of the head. You know, next point, hard for me to say no, hard for me to say no. Unfortunately, that's not going to do anything. Mm. Because what you're doing is you're tapping on the end result issue itself, not what caused the, cause. the issue. Right. right. So how does one find the cause? Well, the way someone finds the cause. Yes. Um, well, it depends. There's a number of different ways to find the cause, some of which we can do on our own, some of which sometimes you need help to do it, which is why we EFT practitioners still have a profession. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> you know, if you do everything by yourself, then you wouldn't need us anymore. Okay, um, yeah. But let's think of it this way. Hard to say no. What could cause something like that? Um, uh, criticism, powerlessness, maybe. Um, Right. Having a, a very dominating, controlling parent. Where, yeah. Where, you know, where we feel powerless. So the powerless thing, I totally agree with. Okay. So if we have a parent that's really dominating and won't let us ever say no, then as an adult, we're not going to be able to say no then either. So a very controlling, dominating kind of parent. Hmm. Now, the really cool thing is, you know, when we have experiences like that growing up, usually it, the parent does that to us hundreds of times. Right. It's not that they do it just a few times. But the really cool thing is, is that we don't have to heal hundreds of memories of them doing that. It only okay. takes a few. Oh, OK. Okay. So if you have a, you know, like a really, you know, a kind of an angry, controlling father, say, you would just have to heal approximately three example memories of the, of the parent doing that. Right. You don't have to heal all of them. Because once you heal a few of them, it kind of generalizes over all the rest of them. It's one of the reasons why it's, it's the healing process with EFT is so fast when working on life issues. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you, you, you go back to your childhood. You say you were working with me. I'm the client. You would ask me something along the lines of, can you go back and think of like the earliest memories you can and maybe, you know, one or two painful memories um, specifically with your father being dominating and controlling. Is that right? Right. I call it first and worst. So the way you said it is really good. Okay. So I say, what's the you know, the earliest time you remember your parent doing that painful behavior, whatever it is. And then we would 
heal that one first. And then I would say, what are two of the worst times they did it while you're still a child, not as an adult, right? Yes. <laughs> um, ideally under 10, you know, so okay. zero to 10 age range. So what was the first time you remember it happening? And then, then give me two of the worst times you remember happening. And then that will usually take care of it. Now, if you're trying to figure this out by yourself, I said there's a way you can try and do it by yourself. And that is, is to ask yourself the question, um, what does this scenario remind me of from my childhood? So when I say this scenario, I mean the, the life issue. Okay, yeah. Right? So if, uh, if, it's, if you're having a hard time asking for what you want or need, common relationship challenge, right? Then I'll say, okay, what does that remind me of my childhood when I tried to ask for what I wanted and needed? I see. See what I mean? So if I think of this adult situation and I think, okay, what was it? What was the same thing, that same situation like when I was a child with my parents? Yeah. Lots of times that will give you the answer right there. So relating a, an adult situation and you, and you think, okay, so this is the problem I have. It's like, I can't, my partner doesn't, or I, I can't tell my partner what I want and it's causing some, you know, some stress in our relationship, let's say. And then I say, okay. I can't ask for what I want for my partner. Where in my childhood, as early back as I can remember, that I, I couldn't ask for what I wanted or I felt like I couldn't get what I wanted or I felt scared to ask. Is that right? Right. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, so I'll give you, just since we're talking about that, I'll give you an example. Sure. Um, some parents don't like to be asked. They're, they're willing to give things to their kids, but they don't like to be asked. And sometimes it's because, one example would be that they don't have much money. So, you know, kids want stuff, right? Anytime you go into a store with a kid, the kid's usually going, mommy, mommy, can I have one of those? Can I have that? Can I have that? Can I? Yeah. Right? And, you know, normally you just, you're just patient because you know kids do that. And you go, no, I'm sorry. You can't have that. No, you can't. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No. And you just, you know, you just, whatever. And they go, oh, come on. You go, I oh, know. I'm sorry. Sorry. No. And then finally, they, if they keep pushing, you go, all right, come on. That's enough. Mm -hmm. Don't keep asking me. I said no. Now, some parents, though, sometimes if they don't have money, it's not just that they're not, they, you know, they're not going to say yes to every request. It's that they feel guilty that they can't afford to give it to the child. But from their place of guilt, they get mad at the kid for asking. Like, it's like, you know, you're making me feel guilty. So they'll, they'll, get, they'll yell at the kid for asking. Yeah, yeah. Right? Instead yeah. of just being nice about it and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I can't. Yeah, I'm not going to give that to you. They just go, you know. Uh, they'll yell at the kid going, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Stop asking me for things. Uh, yeah, right. And then what they're teaching the kid is that it's bad to ask. See, mm -hmm. if you just kindly say no, then the kid feels like it's okay to ask and I may or may not get a yes, right? Yeah. Which is ideally what we want. But if you yell at the kid for asking, then he's like, oh, okay, it's bad to ask for things. So yeah. that would be an example of how this can, can happen. And there's other examples too. That's just one I'm going to example. And, it, and it, it creates like some sort of core belief within us that like, you know. It's not okay to ask for stuff, basically. Not okay for, to ask for stuff. So are there like, I, I know I, I read in one book, have you read the book Code to Joy? It's very similar to the, the things you practice. Oh, well, I'm surprised. Um, well, they, they talk about like seven core, main core beliefs. Um, are, is that like a, a common thing that comes up? It's basically like, you know, I am unlovable, I'm worthless, I'm not safe, I'm lonely. Um, there's three more I can't, they're not coming to me right now, but are there like some main core beliefs some common themes that you kind of see with, with your clients? Well, I think we all struggle with worthiness as a universal human condition, right? Mm. Um, 
see, when we're a little kid, we learn who we are by how we're treated. So if we get lots of love and attention when we're little, and I'm talking about like zero to five, right? The early, the earliest years. So if you get lots of love and attention when you're little, then a little kid will will start just naturally conclude that, oh, I must be worthy of love and attention, right? I yes. must be lovable. I must be worthy. I mean, very simple thinking, right, little kid? Yes. If they don't get enough love and attention or a very mixed situation, then they'll, like, if they don't get much love and attention, they'll go, I must not be worthy of love and attention. Again, very simple. If they get mixed love, like some love and attention, some not, then it starts to feel conditional. Like, well, I can get love when I do good things and otherwise I don't get it. And if it's conditional, that kind of feeds into there must be something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and unfortunately, a lot of us have that. Um, the other thing that causes it, the, the, um, another thing that would be like a mixed experience that would cause us to not feel worthy, not good enough, um, something wrong with me, those kinds of feelings, is the two other kinds of things. So, lack of love and attention will do it. Um, a parent who gets angry a lot and yells will do it. When we're yeah. when we're on the receiving end of a lot of anger. Um, being yelled at is a very rejecting experience. We feel we all naturally feel rejected as we're being yelled at. The the basic underlying mm -hmm. message of being yelled at is you're not okay with me. Right. 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 right? Interactions have the explicit thing that's being said, and there's sort of this underlying implicit message. Mm -hmm. And being yelled at, the implicit message is you are not okay with me. At least right now, right? <laughs> you are not okay with me. You're yes. Okay. Yes. So that if that happens a lot, then the kid's going to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm not okay, mm -hmm. right? There's something wrong with me. I'm not okay. The, the other case is a parent who tends to be judgmental or critical. Because when you see, when, if some a parent is being judgmental or critical, what they're ex explicitly saying is the part of you that I'm commenting on is not okay with me. Not, it's not all of you, but this okay. part of you is not okay with me. But a parent who tends to be judgmental and critical is going to have a lot of parts like that. So this part's not okay with me, and that part's not okay with me, this other part's not okay with me. And eventually it starts to accumulate until, again, the kid feels like, well, maybe I'm really not so okay in general, you know, getting all this criticism and stuff like that. So, again, a life issue of not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy, things like that, you want to heal some of these rep, rep, you know, representative example memories of being treated in these negative ways so that you can heal that stuff and then you start feeling much better about yourself. Yes. Okay, interesting. Okay, I got you. Um, so j just to move on to the next topic, I'm curious now, now that we have a few of the tactics and techniques of how to do EFT for, our, for ourselves, how could we apply EFT in different areas of our life? And like, what, what would be the difference, like tactically and then um, theoretically as well? Okay. Well, both theoretically and tactic tactically, it is actually the same method, right? Okay. So any any ongoing issue, whether it's a challenge in our love life or a challenge in our business or a channel just a challenge just feeling free to be ourselves, even separate from other people. It's like, you know, we get all this negative feedback growing up. So after a while we start feeling like there's parts of me that are not okay. So it's hard for me to just be my natural, authentic free self. But in every case, it's going to be the same thing we've just been talking about. Early experiences that cause this issue. 
see. In okay. fact, lots of times when you try and address one part of your life, as you successfully do that, it makes other parts of your life better too without you even realizing. You uh. know, it's, it's like you weren't even intended that. I'll give you an example. When I help people with their love life, um, you know, we're kind of healing their 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 biggest main issues. Typically, that's what tends to be interfering with their love life. Yes. Um, but if we heal those main like core issues, as we call them, it's going to help them other parts of their life too. So I remember this one client I was working with. We were in the middle of working through her her love blocks, and I, I'll never forget this one session. You know, right at the beginning, she goes, "Before we start on the next thing we're going to be working on here." I just want to tell you that, you know, I did not come to you to to get help with my career, um, but I'm already noticing big improvements in my career. For instance, yeah, like for instance, you know, we when we had these business meetings in the past, I used to be very quiet and kind of would shrink into the background. Even if I had, you know, a big idea that, you know, idea that I thought was really good, I would kind of not, sometimes I wouldn't even say it or I'd be very quiet about it. And she goes, after working with you for just these few weeks, all of a sudden I'm like, I'm right there, you know, I'm like actively participating, you know, speaking up all the time, sharing all my ideas. Wow. And it's like dramatically different. Yeah. And uh, I just realized that, wow, that's because, you know, that's because, since we've been working together. So I just wanted to let you know, I've been, it's been really helping me. Just for those quick changes. He had that, like a dramatic change like that. Yeah. That's incredible. In fact, this is one big difference between kind of regular approach to therapy and EFT. Okay. With regular therapy, even if you do a kind that actually works, but it's very gradual, is that's just it. The there's this feeling of very slow, gradual improvement. It's like I have a problem in this area. I understand what I should be doing instead of what I'm doing, right? right? And I'm kind of like trying to use my willpower and stuff to try and move incrementally more in that direction. But it right. it, it continually feels like a big effort. Okay. And over time, months, years, I feel like I'm making progress on it, but it's effortful. Okay. With EFT, when you heal a few of these memories that are the root cause of the issue, the issue goes away. So there's no effort huh. to act differently. Like this woman, she wasn't efforting to try and speak up more in meetings. That's the thing. Yeah, okay. She just noticed that she was speaking up more in meetings, being much more bold in her meetings, right? Yeah. It was just, in fact, she had, she had to... Kind of realize like oh wow look what i'm doing <laughs> you know all of a sudden that's, i'm acting really different that's because usually there's a lot of willpower that's involved with these like changing behaviors right yeah exactly normally it's it's very slow and gradual with lots of willpower where you're trying to push yourself in the direction that you're trying to go whereas mm -hmm. when you do this healing method with eft once you finish addressing these few example memories the issue is just gone so all of a sudden yeah. you're just acting different without any effort in fact, sometimes people don't even realize that they're being different because it just feels so natural. Wow. Like, here's a, a funny story. I, when I was in a, doing a session with this client a long time ago where she identified this issue. She rated it as a 9 out of 10. And uh, we were able to successfully address it in one session in this particular case. Okay. I saw her again next week, and I said to her, I just want to check in with you on that issue we worked on last week, the such and such issue. I, could, I described it. And I, I want to see how you're, if you've noticed any difference, right? And her response to me is, what are you talking about? I never had that issue. What? She literally didn't remember even having had the issue. <laughs> no, even though no. it was a 9 out of 10. So I was kind of like, you know, I was like, 
showing her my notebook. I said, okay, here, let me go back to yeah, our yeah. session last week. And it's like, here, I was like showing her the notebook. You know, I wrote down the issue. It's a nine out of 10. And, and it went from a nine to a six to a three to a two to one, zero, right? Yeah. Over the course of that one session. And she was like, really? Really? I, that's, I can't relate to that issue anymore. I don't even remember it. That's, so is that because EFT tackles the subconscious mind? It like removes the emotion from the body, which is like the language of our body, right? Emotion, if, if I'm not mistaken. And so like, as opposed to talk therapy, where you're just consciously talking about it, you don't actually tackle the, any of the emotion on like a, on a physical level, right? Is, right. is that, is that fair to say? Yes. Well, in talk therapy, right. You might be feeling the feelings, but you're not releasing them. You're not processing them to completion so that they're gone. Whereas with EFT, you feel them and you tap them and release them and then they're gone. So if you think about it, if this life issue was caused by these oh, okay. experiences as a child and I heal those experiences, then life issue goes away, right? It's just gone. So that's why it's so different. Is this, you know, it's regular therapy, you know, to whatever extent you talk about them yes. and you cry and you process it some, you are making a little bit of progress, you know. It's just that it's you're not fully releasing it, you're just kind of releasing a bit each time. So the progress tends to be very gradual. And it's also hard to ever release it all. So usually results talk therapy is, you know, years later, you feel better, like I'm in a better position now. And I'm, you know, I'm acting in a better way, but I'm still aware of it. I still feel like some effort, I have to like be conscious and aware and try and that kind of stuff. Whereas if you heal it at its source, the issue just goes away. And it's just gone. Yeah, like, as if you never had it. It's gone. Oh my goodness. So I'll give that you an example. Amazing. It's like, why would you? Well, one of the dramatic things in the love life thing, right? So I'm, I help people a lot, like yeah. I said, with my love life. One of the big patterns that people deal with is that they seem to attract the same kind of negative partners over and over again, mm -hmm. right? So like a lot of people will, you know, attract emotionally unavailable partners or partners with anger issues, or partners uh, who are critical and judgmental. Some of the examples we've already been talking about, right? And you can see where that kind of stuff comes from. Emotionally unavailable parent, or angry parent, or critical parent. But it's a, it's, they can't help but attract those kind of partners. These, no matter how much they try and be aware of it, they can't help it. Okay. And then we do the healing work on those memories of the parent doing those negative things. And then when, once we're done, they have zero attraction to those kind of people. So like it's, it's those wow. attracting that type of partner is gone, is gone forever. They don't, they never have to deal with that again. It's just over, which is an incredible feeling. And the way we even check on this is I'll say at the beginning of the work, I'll say, do you have somebody who kind of is one of those people that you're attracted to? Like your mind goes, no way, I'm not gonna get involved with him or her. Right. But like gut level attraction is strong, right? I see, I see. So I'll say scale zero to 10, how strong is it? And I'm hoping for a really high number, like a nine or 10 or eight, nine, 10 is the best, right? And then we'll just periodically, we'll check in. You know, we'll do, we'll heal one memory based on that negative personality trait. And then I'll okay. say, okay, now what's your attraction to that person? They go, oh, wow, it's was a nine, now it's a six. You know, and then we'll heal another memory about that. And I'll say, what is it now? And they go, oh, now it's a three. And then we'll heal another memory about that. And they go, Wow, now it's gone. Not only am I not attracted to this person anymore, I feel a bit of a, a yuck feeling. <laughs> like oh it's intense attraction. Now it's kind of like, yeah, I don't, yeah, you know. Wow, that and is you, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So when you feel that yuck feeling, then we know that that's 
that pattern is done. You know, you're never going to be attracted to that kind of person again. Yeah. That's really cool. When you feel that yuck feeling, I like that. It's a mild yuck. It's not like a big yuck. But it's yeah. Like, it's, not... it's a little mild aversion feeling. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I got you. Um, well, that, the last question I'd like to ask you um, is what I'm very fascinated by it because it deals with a lot of serious medical issues. And this is like huge in my family and I would love to be able to prevent it for myself and people that I know. So how can we use EFT to prevent medical issues and can we serious medical issues, I should add. And can we use EFT once it, once the medical issue is already in place or do we have to do that prior? Um, so you can do it at any point. So first, let me start with the theory behind using EFT for medical issues, period. Yes. Um, there's a certain school of thought that says that unre unresolved emotional wounds kind of eat away at our body over time. Okay. Okay. And there's two variations of this as to how it shows up as some kind of illness or disease or physical problem, shall we say. Okay. One school of thought says these unresolved emotional things can uh, kind of eat away at us, yeah. literally, right? And whatever the weak link in our body is, is where it'll show up first, okay. right? So if we have a tendency towards high pressure, high blood pressure, these, un these unhealed emotional wounds is going to bring out the high blood pressure or okay. bring out an ulcer. Or um, if our immune system already is, is the weak link, it's going to affect our immune system so that we get diseases more easily or get cancer because, you know, our, our immune system is what keeps us from getting cancer, things like that. Okay. There's, there's this other school of thought that says it's more specific than that, that certain emotional wounds cause specific physical problems. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm in between those two. I, I, to me, it can go either way. Okay. Okay. So if you want to prevent uh, medical conditions, Ideally, you want to go back and heal the biggest emotional wounds you have so that they don't wear away your body, right? Most yes. people don't do it that way, though, <laughs> right? <laughs> Usually, we don't tackle our emotional wounds unless we're very motivated to do so because nobody likes to go there, right? Mm -hmm. So we tackle it because either we're struggling in our life somewhere and we want help with that specific struggle, like love life or whatever, yes. or we have a, a medical condition that we want help with. Right, okay. And so um, there are certain medical conditions that Western medicine is not that great with, right? Like there's certain medical conditions that Western medicine says, we don't really understand why it's happening. We understand what is happening, but not why it's happening. So for instance, there's all these autoimmune diseases where our immune system attacks our own body. Okay, so that's the what, our immune system attacking our own body. And okay. that causes things like multiple sclerosis, lupus, um, Lyme disease? No, that's something else. <laughs> that's a yeah. bacteria. Oh, that's bacteria. Um, no, autoimmune disease is uh, where our body is attacking itself. Okay. So doctors don't know why that happens, and they have some drugs to try and reduce it, right? Um, but those drugs are a little bit problematic because it also reduces the effectiveness of our immune system. Um, but, but doctors go, I don't know why your body's doing that, but here's some drugs to help mitigate it, to help reduce it. Yeah, yeah. So if you go back to the theory that there's these, you know, unhealed emotional wounds, there have been people who, where they were able to heal or greatly improve diseases that were considered unhealable. 
So for instance, somebody with multiple sclerosis who is stuck in a wheelchair um, after doing a lot of work, you know, for big diseases like that, it can take a lot of work. Yeah. But after doing a lot of work, the person was able to um, get out of a wheelchair, walk, jog, the whole thing, you know, yeah. and regained a lot of the control of their muscles and things like that. I mean, I really healed the multiple sclerosis lesions in their brain. There's some examples of that. That was a biggie. I have, yeah. I have helped people. That's one of my other specialty areas. Is I, I like working with that, probably because my dad was a doctor when I was growing up. Mm. Um, but I've helped people with a lot of stuff uh, where we find the source, uh, uh, the underlying emotional cause of this physical condition. So, for instance, I had somebody who um, came to me to help with their irritable bowel syndrome, okay. which is really pain in the neck, right? Because you can't go hiking. You can't be very far from a bathroom when you have irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, in that case, it just took five sessions to heal it. And then he was able to go hiking and do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Now, I can't say it only, it only it always takes five sessions. You never know. It can vary from thing to thing. Um, I've helped people with uh, tinnitus or tinnitus, however you pronounce it, which is ringing in the ears, right? People have this ringing in their ears all the time. I worked yeah. with three people. Two of them, it, it was pretty close to complete, you know, down to as you know it range it tends to range a bit with that condition so it'd be like zero to two out of ten yes and the third one came down 50 percent. so one of them was 50 percent better the other two were like 80 to 90 percent better so where it's just what? little bits here and there right which is not supposed to be a curable condition right so there's a lot of these things that like i say western medicine doesn't know what to do with that you can well, lots of times not always unfortunately but a lot of times either improve it significantly like 50 percent better tinnitus yeah. or pretty close to completely or in some cases completely completely um so i like it's a really cool thing i like helping people with that yeah yeah and and you've been that is un unbelievable to me unbelievable um and so you've been doing this for how long now um well, I've been helping clients in general for 25 years. I've been using EFT specifically for 18 years. Oh, wow. So I've years. seen a lot. You know, I've worked with over 1,000 one-on-one clients. Wow. As That's well amazing. as group programs as well. Amazing. That's awesome. And I work with everybody from a distance. I don't actually, I don't work with per people in per. In the first couple of years I did, but since the first two years, um, all my clients I work with are actually either by phone or Skype or now Zoom. And so I have clients all over the country and other countries around the world. Far away is uh, Australia. I have a few couple clients right now in Australia. Oh, cool. like so it's, yeah, it's really cool to be able to help people from pretty much anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, not always a, a luxury that you may have had um, in your business. So that's awesome that you get to do that. Um, the the yeah. last question. Yeah, like especially during a time like this where everyone's you know staying home, it's it's even better, right? Um, for yes, business, absolutely. that's cool. Um, so the last question I'd like to ask is, where can people find you online if they want if they want to uh, use your services? Sure, um, I have two websites. I have a general EFT website, which is eftalive.com. So EFT, what we've been talking about, and the word alive.com. Yes. Yes. So that's uh, sort of my EFT practice in general to help people with whatever they need help with. And then the other website is my kind of specialty website for helping people with their love life. And yes. that one is single to soulmate dot 
me, me, it's not dot com, dot me. So, so we're single, the number two, soulmate, dot me. Yes, wonderful. Well, thank you for that. You know, I was on your, your EFT specific website. I was on there for a good few hours. Like I spent, it's an amazing website for anyone that wants to check it out. If you're interested in, in the topic of EFT, there's like tons of resources on there. Everything you need to know about EFT feels like is on there. So, okay, yeah, I mentioned one out. in particular there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So yeah, no, I'm 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 very glad that you that you found my website helpful. Um, one of the things you can do on that website is you can sign up for, um, sign up to get this uh, free ebook called "Change Your Beliefs, Change Your Life." A lot of the things that hold us back is our negative beliefs, right? And so I I created this ebook that teaches you how to use EFT to release negative beliefs. So this is a little five-page ebook, short, uh, but it teaches you how to do that. And when you sign up for the ebook, you also get signed up for my newsletter, which every two weeks you get this uh, helpful, short, practical email about how to use EFT in some helpful, practical way, like EFT for insomnia, EFT for physical pain. It's another big use for EFT is helping with physical pain. Ah. Um, EFT can be very, very helpful for that. And I talk about how to do that. Um, so anyway, it's just basically all these useful little tapping tip newsletter things. Um, on my other website, singletosoulmate.me, I have a free mini course on that that you can get if you're single. Um, it's called The Three Secrets to Attracting Amazing Love, which talks about the three key blocks that keep people from finding their soulmate and how to heal that okay. so that you can finally be with your soulmate. Awesome. Yeah. Well, take advantage of that, you guys. I, I Yeah, that just sounds wonderful. I'm honestly going to download the... Uh, the beliefs to uh, how to change your beliefs to change your life. I'm gonna download that ebook, hundred percent. I didn't even notice that, which is surprising. Um, but yeah, I'm hundred percent gonna download that. that. Sounds amazing. Uh, well, anyway, Stefan, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Very much appreciated on my end. Um, I know you provided a whole lot of value for everybody listening. So um, yeah, just thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. I, I love talking about EFT because it's, it's such an amazing way to yeah. help people and it for is. people to help themselves. Yeah. Yeah. How's that podcast? It's pretty good, right? <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I'm super glad that you guys are here. I'm very grateful that you guys are here. We are putting our all into this content. Me, Alex, Eric, everyone at the Self Love Fitness Project, we're putting our heart and our soul into this, into this company, into this community. And we're just so happy that you're along for the ride. And um, we are just, uh, yeah, we're very grateful for you. So thank you for watching. And I hope to see you at the next one. Drop a comment, drop a like. Please support us. We really appreciate it. And I will see you guys on the next episode. See you there. <laughs>